My name is Keith. I'm a Time to Change champion and one of your hosts. And I'm Miriam, a Time to Change champion and your co-host. Hello, Miriam. How are you today? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, Keith. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. But I'm going to ask you again because I'm going to ask you twice. How are you, really? No, I'm very well. Thank you. Do you know we now have over 41 local hubs around England all doing Time to Change campaigning? We've spent the summer doing loads of training and having networking events to bring campaigners together. It's been absolutely wonderful. So welcome everyone to this Champions podcast. Coming up on the podcast, we'll be joined in the studio by four very special guests. They all have one thing in common. All of them have known and worked with an extraordinary time to change champion, Oz Osborne. Oz Osborne died on Saturday 18th of August 2018 after a short sudden physical illness. Like me, loads of Time to Change champions and lots of colleagues from across Mind and Rethink Mental Illness had the benefit of working with Oz for many, many years. This special Champions podcast is all about remembering Oz. So who was Oz Osborne, this inspirational man who had such an impact on so many people? Well, he was a true time to change champion, passionate, forward thinking, encouraging of others, and he held a tireless belief in the importance of talking openly about mental health problems. So joining us in the studio to remember Oz are Will Randall, Richard Evans, Louise Palmer and Nick Little. Thank you all for joining us today. So Will, I'm going to start with you. Tell me how he inspired, influenced and supported Time to Change Champions. That's quite a big question. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, first time I met Oz was on, a, on the way to a Time to Change volunteering event. Uh, I was a service user at my local mind. And we shared a car journey to Norwich and I'd never met Oz before. I'd, I heard his name mentioned around a few times and everyone was like, oh, you need to meet this guy. He's really inspiring. He's quite a cool guy to work with. And so he picked me up from outside my flat, and I remember thinking, honestly, Oz Osborne, is this guy going to be a metalhead or something? And um, <laughs> he picked me up, and we, sh we shared this car journey into Norwich, and um, it was brilliant. We just really connected all about music and about football, and obviously from there talking about you know, one of the passions of both of our lives, uh, mental health. So um, that was a really fantastic opportunity to just kind of snowball from there, to get involved with, with Time to Change and become a Time to Change champion. Yeah, definitely. I was... I was um, Oz taught me a lot of lessons in life and um, definitely left a legacy with me of always being kind to people and uh, trying to do the most that you can for everyone. And in terms of uh, being open about mental health, and uh, that it shouldn't be anything that we should be ashamed about talking about. What was the first thing you did with Oz? Can you remember what, 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 what you got involved in? First thing we really did was the, the Time to Change Village in Cambridge and that, that was quite, quite personal for me because that was somewhere where I'd, I was living at the time. Definitely, Oz was someone that, that always gave me confidence, that always always had faith in people, um, always allowed people to showcase their skills and um, just to be open, to be to be loud and proud about what they're good at. And what kind of skills did Oz help you with? Uh, rapping, which is quite what? a strange one. <laughs> rapping, yeah, hip-hop, yeah, I know that's... Uh, you're a white bit... guy from the east of England. I am a white guy rapping? from the east of England, and um, one of the best compliments I ever had, actually, was from a, a clinical psychologist from, um, from South London who told me that... Uh, well, up until today, up until he'd met me, that he, he didn't believe that uh, white guys from the east of England could rap. But he, uh, there we go. So, <laughs> so you proved him wrong. Proved him wrong. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. So um, yeah, it came about in quite a quite a strange manner actually. So it's 
on the car journey I was speaking about, it was on the way back from an event in Norwich, and um, we were planning the Time to Change Village and the Village Green, and which the Time to Change Village concept quite often has the, uh, the the musical kind of part of that, where you might bring a guitar along, or you might have some you know some performers. And so I was said about you know, do you fancy what other kind of skills do you have, or what else could you could you bring to the village maybe as a volunteer? And yeah, I've mentioned that I played a bit of guitar previously, and I said, well. To be honest, Oz, I'm not that great at guitar, but I do a bit of rapping. And he was like, you what? I do a bit of rapping. And he's like, okay. And so I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll come up with something. So we were on the way down uh, down the road in Norwich, down the Acre Strait, leads from Norwich to Yarmouth. And I was was just on my phone, just just coming up with a beat in my head, thinking, okay, let's let's put something together. And I, I started writing this, this rap, and I said, okay, Oz, I've written something. Do you mind if I... Uh, if I give it a go, and he's like, okay, and um, I, you know, set my little piece, did my little rap, it was a short little, little two minute thing, and he's like, crikey, that's that's actually really good, and he was really surprised, and and he's like, no, I didn't want to be, want to be rude, and he, he told me much later that he said I didn't want to be rude at the time, or, or, you know, he was always preparing himself to say, that's really quite good, Will, but we're gonna maybe try something else, but like, that's, that's always a funny moment and quite a big compliment when he goes back and. When he went back and said, you know, that's a, one of the moments in my life where I was really proven wrong by something and really taken aback. So um, that was that was one of the skills that, that Oz helped me with massively. And I, I performed that rap at the Time to Change Village in Cambridge, and um, you know, I've had lots of other experiences with with Time to Change and with other organisations such as the Outsiders, which uh, Nick is involved with, to to um to rap about primarily about my my own experiences with my mental health issues, and uh, that's been a really good platform to um to be open and. Uh, for the message so the time to change villages how richard did they come about and how was oz involved Mm -hmm. going back to 2011 ish 2012 ish and it kind of began with um with time to change we had a we were taking a living room set around the country and the idea was uh, it was a space where people could have a cuppa so it sounds like a, a kind of like a sofa and I'm getting that kind of image. Or... Yeah, exactly. It was a colourful cartoon sofa and, you know, like a little pop-up living room and we were popping up in shopping centres around the country and offering people a free cup of tea in, a, in exchange for a chat. And Oz was kind of involved in that and helped us develop some, some volunteer training as part of that to engage people in, uh, in social contact. Um and um richard can you just explain what social contact is yeah i thought you might ask that (laughs) um so well well the social contact is like a a psychological theory that goes back to the 1940s i won't bore you with that started by gordon allport but it's all about people coming together and getting to know each other essentially within a kind of a set framework um having positive experiences and through that uh, prejudice is challenged um all kinds of different ways of approaching it but um, it was kind of really really key to everything Oz did I think um, and subsequently everything we've done in time to change ever since so in that respect Oz is like the heart of so much of what happens within the time to change movement and um, and so this this social contact was happening in this cafe you know living room space sorry living room um, at the same time, Oz was involved with um, with Nick here uh, with Human Libraries separately, and um, and we I remember us trying to work out um, 
like what's next because this this living room thing is great but we're working with an agency and it was quite expensive taking it around the country and we weren't reaching great numbers and it wasn't replicable um and we were thinking through with ours like how could this work and could we do something with human libraries but that's difficult because human libraries is its own thing and it can't be themed around mental health and i remember meeting in the basement of mind like working through this with, with nick and oz like um and they went away and we went away and then oz came back and he was like right we need a space for people to have a cuppa and a chat that's a cafe we can bring a human library into this space what else is in a village we could have uh we could have a village green we could have music and that's the noise that gets people interested um we could have um, a surgery. We could lo- invite local NHS services and, uh, and and third sector providers of services in, and they can they can um, help. We can signpost people to where they can get help and um, various other elements. So he'd just gone away and like overnight, just come up with this concept that was so pure and perfect. It was this fantastic concept, and it was the kind of thing that Oz did all the time. He'd go away and come up with this idea. Um, and I, you know, I'm sure Nick will talk about this as well because um, all through, in all areas of work, he did this. Came up with something that just made you stop dead and go, "Yep, that's perfect." So we did it. We created um, this. This Oz had this obs- weird obsession with gazebos as well. Um, so we we uh, we created these gazebos, and um, and I can see why he did because they were like so so much more um, cost effective than a, a big living room set transported in a lorry. And again, so true to like Oz's ethos, it was like, he'd come up with a brilliant idea, so creative, and then he'd share it and let people run with it, you know. And he'd be quite, sometimes quite precious, quite rightly, about that idea. Like, get it right, <laughs> you know. Don't uh, uh, do this in the right way, but but take it. It's it's for everyone. So um, it it really worked brilliantly. We ended up doing. Um, you're right, Keith. Dozens and dozens and dozens of these things, and um, to the point where Oz was was very over events by the end of it all. Louise, were you actually managing Oz? Uh, yes, I was. I was managing so Oz. Tell me a bit about that, because you were working with Oz quite closely then. Yes, I was. Um, Oz was. Uh, he was a delight to manage. Um, he was also incredibly impossible to manage <laughs> because he was uh he just wanted to do so much um and getting Oz to stop was really challenging um and as as rich just said you know he he had loads of ideas he was full of creativity um he wanted to do so much and it was and which was great and it was fantastic but i think at the time when i first started managing Oz he was only actually employed to work for two days a month for time to change. Um, and he kind of wanted to change the world um, with that two days a month, which inevitably was never two days a month. It was always at least twice or three times that amount. Um, but yeah, he was um, he was amazing. Uh, he was, he was, um, he, he was my favorite as Brucey used to say, and I sh- probably shouldn't say that on record. Um, but he, yeah, he was, and, and, and it wasn't just, I mean, my relationship was that with him for a couple of years, but then we did do other things together. And, um, you know, I think we probably all were just like very inspired by his creativity and his ideas. Um, 
and so around the same time you were working with Oz, I believe he's also working with Nick and the Outsiders. Yeah, well, Oz and I met in 2008, so um, what was it, 11, 11 years ago, um, doing a human library as we, as we have talked about, that's how we met. Um, but then we created the Outsiders the end of 2011. Um, so just as the, the village, I think, was starting to come together, I certainly remember being on the end of a lot of phone calls about the village. And I remember how, how quickly, I remember him phoning me because we'd had the meeting about about the human library and we'd been very clear <laughs> that that wasn't, uh, wasn't an option for, for what Time to Change wanted to do. Um, and, and we sort of went away. I think I can remember the train journey, us talking, you know, what are we going to do? And, and he just went off and... Um, then he just phoned me up and he said, I think I've got an idea. And he started to describe it, talking about tents. And I was, I would just say yes a lot of the time or, or just listen. Um, and then, you know, two days later, it was a fully fledged, costed thing. Well, I think you did the costing, Richard. <laughs> but but uh, the idea, the, the, it, he could go from the kernel of an idea to a fully uh, conceived concept but not just not just how it would and and this is the important bit that I think you the point you made Richard it wasn't just what was going to happen it was why and how and the why and how was was what made the event work and if that if that wasn't right none of the rest would mattered actually but Oz could put that often quite complicated why and how into something so accessible um, and and bright and colourful and um, loud and, and all that and, and it was just brilliant. And one of the things I just wanted to go back on was uh, uh, the, this management of Oz um, and this thing. Did you mention telephone calls? Because I think there were a lot, a few, <laughs> quite a few raised eyebrows around the table. If anybody's been on the phone with Oz Osborne, uh, what was your experience, Louise, of um, having a phone call with uh, with Oz? Well, I think the first thing to say is to sort of like wipe out any other meetings for the rest of the afternoon. If I if I had a call scheduled with Oz, it was I knew it was going to be quite a while before, um, you know, we'd I knew it was going to be a long conversation. Um, and and it and you know, but the thing is, I didn't mind because actually, I think those conversations obviously they were meant to be they were always work related conversations. But because Oz was Oz, they kind of morphed into uh, putting the worlds to right um, and, you know, thinking about all the injustices and, and all the things that were wrong and how we could make them better. Um, and but, but, you know, more than that, in a way, I think he was also just very because because he was a very thoughtful and kind human being, um, even though I was, in quotes, his manager, you know, there was a lot of conversation about how are you and you know all of that sort of stuff so I think um, yeah and I didn't even talk to him about football so you know I mean these guys probably had all kinds of other things added on to their very lengthy conversations with us uh, but yeah knew never to sort of arrange too much if, it were, if I had a call in the diary. I can remember one time where I said uh, Oz I need to go to the loo and I actually went away to the loo and I came back and he was still on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> And I think, Richard, you've had similar experiences with us as well. Yeah, yeah, constant. I mean, and 
you'd always know when a colleague was on the phone to us because it would you would see them slowly become more and more horizontal <laughs> in the course of the conversation and uh, in a way relaxing yeah oh, it was very, very of course I mean yeah of course it was like you say it was always inspiring but some it was you know like <laughs> you would drop so many hints uh, that you had to go and go to another meeting now even while there wasn't one in the diary and uh, and a lot of the time they wouldn't go through the man liked to talk that's that's for sure but it's good to talk right it's good to talk absolutely <laughs> and i mean my concern was that he'd come up with so many good ideas that you knew it was going to involve money and that i was going to have to find some money from somewhere to actually do some of the things that he did want to do because yeah. there was certainly and i remember a tardis we talked about having a tardis an event and that tardis did appear uh, i think it was at the birmingham mac a few years ago so you know some of the stuff that we were able to sort of make happen well i think that's part of that was part of the you know the thing about Oz is he was a doer. I mean, he was a creative man like no one else I've ever met. But also, he made things a reality like mm. no one else. Mm. I just want to go back a little bit to, to what you were saying about the length of the phone calls, though, because I think Oz did work a lot of the time by himself. And, and I think, you know, he really got... A, because he was a very sociable person and he liked people, you know, I think actually working in that way he found it really important to be able to have that connection with people so you know in his defense <laughs> i'd say that even more than that though he he needed to talk things through he needed to hear his own thoughts vocalized mm. and to sound them off against somebody and what he wanted and what what i know he got from me was someone who would engage with those ideas and mm. challenge them if i felt um that I needed to or explore or push him to to take those ideas further he got very very frustrated if he if he wanted to have a phone conversation with somebody and for example talk at length for an hour about the minutiae of social contact and the other person wasn't interested <laughs> because he wanted that engagement and that response and to get down to that level because I, I think quite often he knew that to come up with something very simple or what appeared to the public as something very simple and engaging. He had to go through all of that thought and pull it in every direction. I mean, we always used to, to say, we used to say, right, we have to, every, every idea that we have, we will, we will think, what if somebody did X, Y, and Z? And we will try and think of every scenario um, and test them in that way. And, and he needed, as you say, working on his own. In, in an office, you can have lots of small interactions that can add up Oz, Oz didn't need that he didn't want that that wasn't how he worked but it sometimes meant that we had to put an hour and a half in <laughs> well just come in on that I just um just wanted to say just my experiences with, with phone calls of Oz firstly actually I, it was probably the case of uh, him wanting to leave me because I was on them so long but just those skills that you've mentioned the ability to, to sound things out think of the hows and the whys I found my phone call conversations with Oz were, were very helpful very um it's the best form of mentoring that I ever had. It allowed me to take a lot of my ideas and concepts and things that I wanted to work through. And I was able to, to use the same same application, the same advice that he'd he'd used for himself, the same same way that he'd sound ideas off with with Nick and Richard and others. And um, that that really helped me to kind of uh, progress. And, and if I had an idea or something that I wanted to do, it was really really good at just listing and saying, okay, well, what what what's setting you back here? What 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 if you did this instead? Or, or how are you going to go about this? And I think he was um, 
just a fantastic person for, for being that kind of real mentor for me and uh, I think he did that with a lot of people as well which uh, he probably wouldn't shout about but um, I know he had that impact on a lot of people. Thanks for that Will, I mean I think it's important uh, you know for all the joking about the length of time, I think we all, I mean, certainly everybody around this table really valued those conversations with all sorts born. And certainly, I, I certainly did, because also those conversations didn't always happen at work as well. I mean, sometimes I'd speak to him sort of personally as well at home and, uh, and, and you know, offering sort of support as well um, outside of work, you know, things that were going on in people's lives and especially in my life at the time and having a support of a mate really, uh, as, as well as a, a really valued sort of colleague. Richard, did you have something to say around this? I think just in um, listening to Will there, it, it made me think about um, my relationship with Oz as well and um, how I I think I still think of him as a mentor, even though he's not here. And I bet we all do. I bet like so many people who came into contact with Oz still think, as I know I, I did yesterday, think, what would Oz do here? What would Oz think of this idea? And that is such an incredible thing that someone would have that kind of impact on on you. But um, I know I've talked to you about that before, Will, and you said, yeah, that's how you think of it. It's like a a barometer or something or a yardstick. You know, what would... Like, that's the measure of the man. Is like... uh, Yeah, if... If if Oz wouldn't like this idea, it's probably a crap idea. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but yeah. So um, so uh, that's in a way he's he's not here, but he's still our mentor. That's I, how it feels. I always think of Oz almost as like my conscience now. Or I mm. think about what will Oz do, kind of uh, what will Oz's approach do. Every time I struggle with something where where I can't pick the phone up now or ask Oz to to talk to me, I can still take that advice and think okay, yeah, this has been rubbish or I'm struggling with this or I want to do this, but I'm, I don't have the confidence. I still use that approach. I still use the, the skills and the just the way he had. He had a great way of calming calming me personally and just, just such a laid-back person, but but could at the same time give tough advice at times as well. And, um, yeah, that's something that I think will probably never leave me and probably you either, Richard. No. I think it was episode three and uh, Oz was actually sitting where you're sitting now. Um, Will, uh, where he actually talked about challenging stigma and discrimination at a football match and people obviously can sort of listen to that. Um, For me that was sort of Oz being a time to change champion, being an outsider Mm -hmm. um, in action because um, you know he had the courage to actually challenge somebody who was chanting sort of homophobic um, insults at the football uh, footballers that were on the team uh, that were on the field and um, sort of, you know, I remember him telling me at one point he wanted to hit this guy, but obviously Oz isn't that kind of bloke. Um, but what he did do was during the half time actually speak to the guy and just explain that actually what you were saying is upsetting me and my wife. And actually, you know, it was um, a chant about Justin Fashionier who killed himself quite, quite a number of years ago now. But obviously um, Oz had been affected by a death of a friend um, in a similar kind of way um, before that and it really had a huge impact on him and if, if people listen to episode th- uh, three mm. they'll, they'll sort of hear that it certainly had an impact on me when I, I when I talked to him about that like hearing the story and the way he was able to kind of demonstrate you know being that true time to change champion it was the way he was able to engage and turn around and kind of educate in that situation it was really inspiring um, to hear that story because he was he talked about it so passionately I can I can really remember it and it, it really stays with me now when I kind of think about 
time to change champion like being a time to change champion is being able to take something in that moment and being able to like rise he felt that passion but it was the way that he engaged with the person and he had such a positive response back Richard did you have something you wanted to say about that yeah that um, I think that's spot on and I think um, it makes me think of several examples that are shared from his life where he intervened um, at at exactly the right moment in exactly the right way um, that that we all should think about really you know um, in in our lives and I certainly have um, it makes me think about a, a moment he said um, where he experienced in his um, it was somewhere near where he lived a small small village and he was um, he he was hearing from some of the local people that he knew that a shop had opened up I don't know if he's, he may have talked about this in a previous podcast, but a shop had opened up um, in the area and there was a sign on the door that said, um, no English. And and a lot of the locals were very upset about this, saying, well, how dare you open a shop and not allow English people in the shop? And I was thinking, this can't be right. Surely not. And he, he knew the shop and he went in and he spoke with them and came out and it turned out, of course, they just got the wording a bit wrong and they couldn't speak English and they just wanted to politely let everybody know um, that they might have trouble communicating. Um, and and that, again, is just a little example of how he would go kind of gently but directly to the root of something and try and figure it out and just try and fix it a little bit in a small way. And I just think he it turns out since he's died, we're hearing about from all these different people that he came into contact with um, about these little differences he made in people's lives and um, little interactions, little interventions to just make, make the world a better place and help us kind of understand each other's differences a little bit more. So, so Nick, what was it like working with Oz with The Outsiders Company? Exciting, really. Um, it, was t- it was very hard. It, I should say it was really, really hard starting a CIC. I mean, we're what now going six years nearly seven years old and most I think most CICs don't last their first three years Um, about a third survive something like that so we I remember we were really pleased when we survived our third year even though we had about a quid in the bank (laughs) (laughs) we were still going that that was hard and I think that put um, both of us under a lot of pressure Um, but we got our heads around it um, and I mean obviously sadly just uh, he died just as we were really starting to to get some some momentum and traction but what I think was great about Faraz with the Outsiders is that we had a vehicle um, where he could do anything really he wasn't kind of we, we could write our own policies we could set our own direction and all of that um, but also that I think he valued in me that I would work in a, in a lot of similar ways to himself we'd get things together very quickly have a lot of ideas and we prided ourselves on the fact that we did something with all of them um, we took all of them to to the public and we if we if we decided we were going to do something we made it a, a, a point that we we would see that through um, some obviously have been much more successful than others but and we also tried to carry the values through that we had kind of benefited from um, with things like human library obviously we, we came across that concept and there was there was no cost for it it was about 
trust and, and um, getting behind the values and, and, and promoting those values and definitely for, for time to change I mean obviously Oz did far more work with the with that campaign than I did and he was so passionate about it but but really passionate about what um, what it should be and what, what it and we tried to take the things that we'd learnt there and really instill them in the outsiders and, and you know and as Richard said you know we were we are precious about things um, and we were because because they took a lot of thought and effort to get to get right and they were created um, with a lot of thought behind them and I think um, that was you know we, we needed a bit of stamina to do to do that work um, the two of us together in particular was <laughs> needed more stamina than we'd each need individually I think but but that was what made made what we did work work really well and yeah it was great he was he was a he was a great business partner and what is Ozzy's lasting legacy with the outsiders um well I mean the work that we created certainly the um the stuff with with the the 12th man campaign that I'm doing at the moment but also uh, the so me that the um, time to change are using in, amongst others. I mean, I think just before I was died, I remember him. He'd met with Katie, uh, Katie Mottram, who, and she she was sort of doing so me events in nine countries around the world. And I I was so chuffed for him because I remember being in Birmingham, in this horrendous meeting with somebody who, that another organisation I won't name, where where he came up with it uh, um, very, very quickly in, the, in a car journey back, both of us furious, him coming up with this concept. Um, and, you know, in four hours he'd developed it, which I, yeah, a few phone calls later it was a bit more developed. Um, but to see, to see that sort of thing, that his legacy is that there are people in um, Israel or, or South America who never never going to know who he is, but they're going to benefit from, from his his brain and his uh, commitment to 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 care about them, even though they won't ever know who he, who he is or was. And if champions want to use the SOMI um, concept, how do they do that? Well, probably the best place at the moment, because we're getting a um, a new site design for the SOMI, is to actually go to, to use the resources there on the Time to Change website. And particularly if if it's um, if they're Time to Change champions, the best place to look would be would be the page. I know you've got a page and a film and, and various resources on the site. So, yeah, I'd say at the moment, do that. <laughs> and I, I just want to, um, I just remembered as well a brilliant idea of when uh, we did um, sort of World Mental Health Day and we did a So Me, you were there, um, at the Imperial War Museum, yeah. which of course was used to be Bedlam, which was literally, that's where the word Bedlam comes out, the Bethlehem Hospital. And the idea of sort of having a So Me event at Bedlam on World Mental Health Day. I mean, I think it was a uh, you know quite 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 a thing for us. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a great concept, um, a wonderful way of actually getting people talking about mental health issues without all the problems of the human library and all of those sorts of things, which is uh, very much sort of focused on a whole raft of various different um, discriminatory things. But um, I mean, other people. I mean, how. What, what what is the lasting legacy for you, Will, of of um, of Oz, his impact on you as a human being? Uh, I think a lot of personal personal lessons about the way the way that I approach my life and the way that I want to be able to help other people in the way that he helped me. I think um, I think that's the main thing. I mean, uh, in terms of the work that he 
through tight to change as a tight to change champion that that's something i'm always going to carry on i'm always going to be open about my own mental health and try to support other people uh, friends that may you know that may, that may want to have somebody to speak to in the same way that i, I could speak to us um professionally as, as well lots of lots of lots of lessons and skills that he, he taught me uh taught me very uh, a lot of skills around negotiation <laughs> which is really good um but yeah definitely definitely just just being there for other people and um touching on what nick said earlier always having a how and why around doing things always having a reason and knowing that how and why and about the way that you can affect change the way that you can the way you can live your own life the way you can be yourself the way you can can help other people and inspire other people it always has to be that, that how and why about it and that's that's a big legacy louise um yeah i was just writing down some things there's so many <laughs> things um i mean i think his authenticity his realness um and and like you will i think you know i think just the way that oz stood up for what he believed in without having to scream and shout um in a subtle way um you can affect change and it has a bigger impact and i think um i think we've all learned huge lessons around that from oz yeah and finally richard um, everything these guys have said um, resonates um, with me and like I said earlier about I, I like that wording will about him being a, my conscience <laughs> there is a degree of that um, um, I was also just thinking I, I kind of feel like um, if I've I hope I've got a good moral compass and I feel like if I have he's he, he helps me hold that somehow um and the other thing that really I feel when I think about Oz was the work ethic. Like, he was unbelievably hardworking. I mean, he was talented, but there was something about, you know, he would drive hundreds of miles and then get up, you know, the night before an event, and then he'd get up at four in the morning and be put first one putting up gazebos. And then the last the one, taking them down in the rain, and he'd spend all day supporting other people, and you know, and it was relentless, like that work, and and it was a work ethic. I was just before before coming here to do this podcast, I was flicking through text messages between him and I. I didn't realise like ninety percent of them are either let's have a beer, or that was a good beer, thanks, mate, <laughs> or uh, like him banging on about Freddie Sears. It's like, <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Sorry, who's Freddie Sears? Uh, well, he, but he, he said to me, I was just looking um, a couple of years ago. He said, "Mate, Freddie's going to be in the top flight next year. Believe you me." And I just had to check, like, what divisions he in at the moment? So, he's a footballer. So, so for all, uh, he's a footballer. So he's still with Ipswich, I believe. So uh, for all his uh, the wonderful qualities, he, he didn't have that kind of foresight when it came to football. But <laughs> but um, but I was. In checking, I'm going off the point, in checking these texts, he said something about, it was just in the summer, it was just in July, I think it was one of the last texts I got from him, and he was talking about, he was hoping to get um, some latest bit of funding that um, that he and Nick had applied for, 
And he said, if I get it, I might actually be able to give myself a half-decent salary this year. And I mean, that said an awful lot about it. He had this incredible work ethic, but it was all externally focused. It wasn't about him and reward for him, certainly not financially. It was about doing good things in life. So, mm. yeah. There is something, sorry, just to add, that I think we, we haven't mentioned and we have to, is his, his sense of humour. Mm. He was a brilliant laugh. I mean, he was yeah. such a good laugh. Uh, the phone calls... The convers- I used to spend the first half an hour, you know, you have to get through the jokes and the banter before you actually yeah. got to the work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly the same, yeah. but, but he was a joy to work with like that. You could be in the middle of something really tense. I mean, I know we, we'd be having conversations really quite tense and I knew that I could still, if I threw something in, that I knew would make him laugh. Mm-hmm. And he would. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know, keep up a kind of stay in a mood or whatever about what was going on. I mean, he was just so much fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just loved him when he was, especially, and he was brilliant at having the Mickey taken out of him. He loved it, and it, there were certain people that could, that are very good at that. And Oz was fantastic, wasn't he, Keith? He was very good. <laughs> but I, in my defence, I will say that I was often a butt of uh, many a joke, especially between Richard and Oz. I mean, what's the? I'm just going to hold up this picture. You're standing in the middle of a muddy field Richard yeah that's Oz and I what uh, are you doing there tell people what you're doing what are you holding in your hands that's the most important thing well I (laughs) not sure that's appropriate for this Uh, don't ruin it don't ruin it (laughs) we are holding a um, a beautiful glass vase um, beautifully handcrafted I imagine by uh, by some uh, local business in Totnes so that's us at the top funeral director I think was it, it a funeral director <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seriously the well, plinth, I think the plinth came from a coffin seriously I think it probably did right. similar kind of wood finish right um yeah so that, that was the that was one of our villages at the Totnes agricultural show um in which we were slightly randomly, we didn't know about any awards, we were just doing our thing, you know, but um, and with with 40 odd amazing time to change champions from the local area. And um, and um, someone came up to us in the afternoon and said, Well, this is incredible, you get prize for best educational stand at the show this year. I don't think there are any other educational stands at that show, <laughs> but nevertheless, we got. But at least you didn't come second. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Do you right. know what the beauty of that was? Was that I'd worked on that event at very short notice because it was the summer where the rain had been really bad and we had to move actually the show from North Devon to South Devon to Totnes, right. which incidentally is twinned with Narnia. And um, it was the one event which I'd done a lot of work on, but it was the one event where I didn't actually attend. And I never lived that down. Oz never let me forget that I wasn't actually there. The one where we won an award. When you won well, it's no, yeah. it's not a coincidence, is it, Keith? But no. but what? <laughs> but um, but we were probably, you know, knee deep in all kinds of excrement because you weren't there to help pick it up for. Oh, and that yeah, that's where the dog poo oh, sort actually, of yeah, mentions I've got one in, here. Yeah. What's the story about well, that, the dog well, poo? Well, that's another thing as well. Is where um, and that I think when we were at Woodbrook. Oh no, first of all, it was when we did the first time to change village down on the South Bank, where I'd been down there. We Oz and I had gone down there sort of on a weekly basis doing recce's and we noticed that people let their dogs walk on this sort of patch of green outside ITV and they used to let their dogs sort of poo and I'm thinking 
oh my goodness, we can't have a village and have poo everywhere. And so we bought sort of blue gloves, we bought anti antibacterial gel, all that kind of stuff. And I'm there putting my gloves on. So come on, Oz, come on, Richard, let's get on. Let's pick up this dog poo. I start picking up all this dog poo. Look behind me. They're just standing there looking at me. And it happened again at Woodbrook as well, except that was with goose poo. And I, I swear, if you ever try to pick up goose poo, it is nasty. <laughs> I can't say I've Thanks. tried. Thanks for that advice. <laughs> so, okay, we're going to sort of really have to sort of wind up this, um, I, th I think, celebration, actually, of Ozzy's life. I mean, last year we did have a, a celebration at the Forum. I mean, it was literally less than a month after he died, which was amazing for, for you, Nick, to have sort of pulled all that together. And certainly all of us sitting around the table were sort of involved in that. It was an incredibly emotional and moving, moving event. Um, and... I, I've, I found this poster um, and it's a poster that uh, Nick I think you commissioned and this wonderful sort of uh, cartoon with lots of marquees, tents, there's a time to change flags and there's a, uh, a 12th man flag, there's a so me flag, all this kind of stuff, it's wonderful stuff. But I think really for me what really s sums up Oz Osborne was that, um, and I'm just going to read it, it says Oz gave his time, energy and passion to others, he worked hard to tackle social and community issues. He championed fairness and justice. He challenged prejudice, injustice and stigma. He was compassionate, loyal and supportive. He was an inspiration to many people. He was positive and fun to be around. And above all else, Oz was our friend. Thank you, Will, Nick, Louise and Richard so much for coming in and sharing your anecdotes and lovely stories about the unique Oz Osborne. To celebrate his life and work, Minds has agreed to create the Oz Osborne Room at its headquarters in Stratford, East London. There'll be a naming ceremony with his name on the door and there'll be an unveiling of a framed photograph and biography on the wall. This year, for the first time, there'll be the Mind Excellent Awards for the best practice by a local mind. There is a challenging stigma and discrimination category and this award will be named in memory of Oz Osborne. These are two ways for us to keep his memory alive and his work remembered. The employers team are proud to launch a new action plan for the employer pledge program. The employer action plan has been redeveloped to build on the standards, recommendations, evidence and best practice guidance found in the 2017 Thriving at Work report, alongside the experience and evidence collected over the implementation of 1200 employer action plans over the last five years. Find out more about the new action plan on the Time to Change website. a little bit about Talk To Me at the London Design Festival. Stuart Padwick launched a second installation in support of Time To Change at Design Junction at King's Cross. Using interactive sounds and lighting, Talk To Me highlights the difference that supporting a friend with a mental health problem can make. Champions and media volunteers recorded sound bites of their experiences, which feature in the installation. Stuart worked with Time to Change last year on Head Above Water, a nine-metre high sculpture in the Thames celebrating honesty and bravery around mental health problems. Remember, champions, World Mental Health Day is on the 10th of October. This year's international theme is suicide prevention. In our next episode, we'll be talking to champions who use their lived experience to talk about this sensitive issue when campaigning. And we've got a brand new resource available now. Our champion storybook is full of personal accounts about what it's like to live with a mental health problem. We know that sharing a personal experience in a chat or on social media can raise understanding of poor mental health and the stigma and discrimination we face. You can get your own copy from the Time to Change website. 
Remember, if you're organising an activity and need public liability insurance, you can get it from Time to Change for free. As long as you, one, are a registered champion, you can sign up on the website. Two, you have done social contact training face-to-face -face or the e-learning. Three, registered your event on the Time to Change website. And four, once you have done all of this, email us and let us know. And finally, remember, it's not too early to start thinking about what you will do for Time to Talk Day in February 2020. For information and support on any aspects of your mental health, go to the MIND website at www.mind.org dot uk or call 0300 123 3393. Lines are open 9am to 6pm Monday to Friday except for bank holidays. You can also text 86463 and email info at mind.org.uk. Hey champions, remember if you have any questions about this podcast please let us know on the champions podcast we are big fans of audience participation we love hearing from you sharing your stories telling us what you're up to this is what the champions podcast is all about so tell us what you think ask us anything your feedback can help us make this champions podcast what you want to listen to we're led by people with lived experience, amplifying your voice, your stories and your campaigning achievements. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please write a review and help us spread the word. If you want to drop us a line, send an email to champions at time-to-change.org.uk. Follow the campaign on Twitter at Time to Change and tell us what you think of the Champions podcast. Send a tweet using hashtag TTCChampions. All this blurb is in the usual place in the podcast notes on the website. Our voice is stronger and louder thanks to funding from the Department of Health and Social Care, Comic Relief, the Big Lottery Fund using National Lottery Funding. This Champions podcast is a heavy entertainment production for Time to Change. The campaign is run by Mind and Rethink Mental Illness and thousands of champions, supporters and organisations making change happen. Please help us spread the word about your Champions podcast and tell other champions. Thanks for all the great work you champions do for Time to Change every day. That's it for now from Keith and me on the Champions of Time to Change podcast. Say ta Keith. ta Miriam. I'm Keith. Thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>